Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like that Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Kent Wyrock. This evening, I am joined by Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. We'll be handling this uh, just us three this week after week one. Jen is unfortunately not with us today. That's okay. We'll go over all of our favorite, uh, favorite fantasy football news and notes and things we liked from week one and talk about week two a little bit as well. So, Betts, Okada, how, how are we doing? Doing great. Excited for uh, another week. Um, I can't believe we're already on to week two. It feels like we spent so much time this this summer just getting ready for the season, and, and now we're off and running. So uh, doing great and excited to move on to week two. How'd you guys do in week one? Uh, I won in all the leagues that uh, count and lost in all the leagues that don't. <laughs> what do you mean? Don't they all count? <laughs> I mean, some of them I'm more invested in, I guess I would say. And I won <laughs> in all those leagues. And then I lost in... Like I lost in our listener league, I lost in a writers league, uh, but hey, mostly it was good. There's a lot on the line with the listener league. Okay, pride is at stake, and we you you can't lose to the listeners, otherwise they take your spot. I think that's how that works. That's I true. think they transition into the podcast host team. So I'm pretty sure there is a rule in the bylaws that says if I get last, I immediately get replaced by the champion in the podcast. So hopefully that doesn't happen. You might have to give up your spot on the pot, Okada, if you uh, if you keep taking that approach to setting your lineup each week. Ooh, <laughs> that's spicy. Anyway, let's uh, let's jump right in and get to some news and notes stuff that happened last week. We can talk about real quick. Uh, we're not going to really recap any games. We might bring up some stuff in passing, but uh, yeah, we're just going to talk about some of the major pieces of news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Up first, we have a couple of miscellaneous pieces of news that I think were kind of interesting. Maybe not so much, but I know the second one certainly is. But first, the Raiders re-signed Martavis Bryant. Uh, I guess it kind of sounds like he's actually not going to be suspended and that they are now have a non-guaranteed contract with him, so it made sense for them to bring him back considering he might actually be able to play. I don't think there's much relevance here considering the Raiders' passing attack was kind of yucky week one. Is, is it a was nice bad. Way. It was pretty bad. So It was not good. Um, it was atrocious. You know, maybe having Bryant there kind of helps round out everything, uh, but I can't see it being crazy better because of him so really no reason to pick him up at this moment but just something interesting on the docket there so the bigger piece of news we have before we get on to some injury news and notes uh josh allen was announced as the starting quarterback for the buffalo bills week two what do you guys think about that okada um huh well he can't be any worse than nathan peterman because nathan peterman might be the worst quarterback to ever play the game of football um, now I don't think this bodes well for him because he's going to get, as we talked about a couple pods ago, annihilated over the next few weeks. Um, although it sounds like Joey Bosa is 
I think either questionable or out. Do you know, Betts? Uh, there hasn't been much update on his status. He had a meeting with uh, Dr. Robert Anderson, who is a foot mm. specialist. Um, yes, I've heard that name. Yes. And basically the thing that came out from that today from Ian Rappaport was basically that there has been no definitive decision made, and he's still not eligible for IR, and the team is not suspecting that that's going to be mm. the case. So uh, it's going to be a week-to-week situation to monitor. Okay, so that matters for the Chargers' defense. If he's not there, it's a little better for the Bills. I still don't feel great about Josh Allen. It does, however, make me feel better about Kelvin Benjamin, who might get a brief mention somewhere later in this pod. Um, And you guys know that I kind of like him because I drafted him in our listener league, and he didn't do very much for me in week one with the incompetent Nathan Peterman. But I think Josh Allen can huck it a little more, and uh, as long as it's somewhere in uh, Kelvin Benjamin's catch radius... He has a little better chance of producing, so we'll see. Yeah, as far as like a fantasy consideration, this is a pretty big upgrade for the passing weapons there. It's not, you know, an awesome situation, but Josh Allen as a as an NFL quarterback probably needed a little bit more development time, and he probably shouldn't be going uh into the league this early, or excuse me, starting in the league this early. So he's gonna have some growing pains. His accuracy is certainly still an issue. And I think that he's going to have, well, he has a couple of rough matchups here. He has the Chargers and then the Vikings. And then I think after that, there's one more rough one as well. I, I can't recall, but it's not a good stretch for him. And I don't think that's the right way to develop your um, first round quarterback. So it's something to keep an eye on. I, I think it, it is good for Kelvin Benjamin, but still not great. I think you're going to have weeks where you definitely suffer uh, with him in your starting lineup. So... Now, Kent, but before we move on, sketchy. what does yeah. this do, uh, and Okada, when you uh, want to comment on this too, feel free to jump in, but what does this do for LaShawn McCoy? Because he's the real piece of the Buffalo offense that people own right now and are probably very frustrated with after the first week. Uh, so what does this do for LaShawn McCoy for you guys? Mm, unless Allen turns out to be so good that he actually helps revitalize his entire offense and make this team decent, I don't know if it does too much. And I honestly am not confident that that's going to be the case. I am very concerned about McCoy this year. Ah, oh, which you will all know because I said he was a sit of the week last week. That was that was a good call. Um, in week one, he only had eight touches. I don't, I don't think he goes any lower than that for the rest of the year. So... You at least have you at least have that in terms of his role expansion, and he had a couple of runs called back on penalty and stuff like that that kind of hindered his game a little bit. It probably wouldn't have made it a great outing, but it certainly could have made it okay. Um, and he never really got rolling. So if they start to give him ten plus, you know, rushes and a few receptions every game, you're going to get some serviceable weeks. Now he's probably some people's running back one. I know in one league he's mine, and I'm currently not very happy about it. I thought he'd be a good value in the third. You know, it was like end of the third. I was like, this is too late. I gotta, I gotta try and take him. But that might not work out for me this year, and I, I kind of took that risk. But I think, yeah, the touches should go up, uh, especially with Allen there. I think they're gonna try and focus on the running game a little bit more um, because Peterman couldn't pass the ball. Josh Allen's not the best at passing the ball. They got to figure out something to get the ball up the field. And rushing is about the only thing they do well. So I think they'll try and do it more. Yeah, that makes sense. And Ken, I'm actually with you in a league. I also took McCoy as my one. I got him in the fourth. So I was really excited about it. Went zero RB. And now I couldn't be more sad. Yeah, that's one of the risks. I, uh, 
I do not feel your guys' pain. I literally do not have LaShawn McCoy in any of my 10 leagues or 17 best balls. Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and even I, I remember going into drafting season, I'm like, I do not want McCoy this year. Um, for a while, I was kind of feeling the, you know, he's the only weapon, so he's going to be a funnel type of situation. But I realized mm-hmm. that the rest of the team is so bad that it just, it, you can't funnel nothing. You know, there's nothing there to funnel. So it, it's not going to be enough for, for him to get it done some weeks. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we kind of need to move on here, but I just want to throw this out there. I think that this Bills team is worse than last year's Browns team. And if oh, they yeah. go 0-16, I would not be surprised. Yeah, all right. Let's 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 wrap that up and move on to... Doctor, doctor, give me the news. We have, of course, injuries because week one has has come and gone. And and actually, none, none huge, no real huge injuries. There's a couple of... Uh, sort of significant ones, but no no one out for the season. Uh, actually, there is one that I didn't put on the show doc, but I'll get it on here so we talk about it. But first, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. He had a knee injury. He got rolled up on playing against the Bears, in which it, you know the Bears were up 20-0 at the half. Uh, and, of course, Aaron Rodgers came out and did his thing after getting injured and won the game. Uh, that was in the fourth quarter, I believe, they finally passed them. So... Yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers looks like he's non-committal for Week Two at the moment, uh, and you know why would he be? They never are, so it's not a huge deal. But I think that you know if he plays, he's he's startable, he's dangerous, uh, he's going to be a pocket passer no matter what. Uh, it, it'll probably take away take away a little bit of his rushing ability, but you don't really have Aaron Rodgers for his rushing ability. You have him because he's probably one of the best passers in the league. Probably top two. I'd say Brady's better. But anyway, uh, your guys' thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and if he plays? Bets? Yeah, I mean, the injury was was significant at the time. It looked pretty nasty when he got landed on, basically got landed on on the outside of his knee and kind of caused the inside part of his knee to buckle towards the ground. A lot of stiffness, a lot of pain, a lot of swelling that he's probably dealing with. It's likely an MCL sprain, though this has not been confirmed, the, the ligament that sits on the inside of the knee. Uh, they did a zoom-in shot of his knee and and looked at this kind of brace that he was wearing in the second half of the game when he came back in. Uh, and essentially, those kind of like rods that sit on the outside of the brace prevent your knee from kind of buckling inside or outside. So that's my best guess on what he's dealing with. Typically, for any receiver or running back, that's a no-go, and it's pretty much impossible to play on. Uh, for Aaron Rodgers, like you mentioned, Kent, I would not be surprised to see him staying in the pocket if he does play doing a lot of what he did when he had a calf injury. I think it was last year or the year before where it was a lot of quick hitters. Uh, the running game was was working a lot. Um, so I think that if he does play and that is his style of playing in this game, which I suspect it will be, I think it means good things for guys like Randall Cobb and the, the running backs that are involved there in Green Bay. So that's kind of my thoughts on the situation. Don't be surprised to see him do almost nothing in practice this week, which for a guy like Rodgers is not a concern. Yeah, I certainly do not envy being the Packers coming into this week because this is a really, really tough decision. Almost any other matchup, I would sit him because this team is decent and could potentially win. This one, there's no way they win without him, and it's a huge game against the Vikings, so they kind of have to play him, but at the same time, it's so dangerous. I'm really concerned about that, so not sure what they'll do. As far as Rodgers himself, I think this if he continues to play through this and it causes him some pain and does keep him in the pocket, like you guys are saying, which is very uh, likely and I expect that to be the case, I think it 
it hurts him a little bit from a fantasy standpoint because he does a lot of what he does, scrambling about, you know, swinging out when pockets collapse, um, running little bootlegs and throwing incredible passes on the fly. Uh, and so this may limit his production a little bit. We'll see. Yeah, I think the the, the ultimate takeaway here is you're going to have to probably keep an eye on it up until the game time decision for this is, is how I feel. So if he starts, you start him. If he sits, you better have uh, option B ready to go. So we'll move on to the next piece of news here. We're going to talk about Greg Olson. He re-injured his uh, structurally repaired foot, and it sounds like he's going to avoid surgery this time and stay on the roster. So uh, actually, bets. I'm going to need a little bit more clarity on what this means for his health. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, he rebroke the foot that he injured last year, which caused him to miss a significant time. Uh, when he injured it last year, he underwent surgery in which a uh, piece of hardware was placed inside the bone to stabilize it, which is common for the Jones fracture, which is the fracture of the bone on the outside of the foot. The thing that's different about last year and this year is that the hardware is still in there and still in place. Um, so the bone is still stabilized where it should be, but there is still a fracture uh, of the actual bone. So they're not going to do surgery on it to restabilize it. Uh, he can play through it essentially after a month or so. It's going to be a pain tolerance issue. Uh, for that, it, it's going to be tough. People are saying that it's going to be about a month. I anticipate it being longer. Uh, listen, foot injuries for someone that has to cut and jump off of it is significantly painful. So I'm hedging longer than a month. But like you mentioned, he's not going to have surgery. So the chance of him coming back later in the year is still possible. Yeah, I mean, this is 100% a drop Greg Olson thing for me. Unless you have an IR slot, I am not holding on to him in, or super deep benches um, in a dynasty league or something. Although I don't think he'll probably even play after this year. So maybe not even there. Um, I don't expect him to come back for a while, like Beth said. And when he does, I don't think he'll be Greg Olson of old. He wasn't even really that last year when he came back. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hands off. Yeah. Last year when he came back from injury, uh, he had four games that were 27 yards or less with one goose egg. And then he had one game with nine catches and 116 yards. So if it weren't for that one game, he would have been a complete waste of a roster spot. And I'm willing to bet that not many people even started him for that big game. So I agree. I am out. The, the current guy that's about to step in his role would be Ian Thomas, and I don't know a lot about him. I'll be very upfront about that. I, I've looked at him a little bit, but do any of you guys have any further information about him and how you feel about him as a replacement? Um, not really, except that I did draft him in a dynasty league somewhere because I was pretty sure Greg Olson was going to retire, and I thought, well, they've used the tight end there, and they might keep using him with this guy, but I don't know much about him himself, so... Yeah, and I'm in the same boat as you guys. He was a kind of a later dynasty pickup uh, type of player, so not one of the high-profile guys. Uh, I know that there was some leagues that I was in where guys were, were talking him up and were pretty excited about what he could be, and he flashed a little bit this preseason when Olsen wasn't in there and when he was with the backup. So uh, he's apparently a talented guy, but as we know, the rookie tight end translation is not always there. Yep. All right, we'll move on here to the next piece of news. Delaney Walker... He um, dislocated his ankle and has ligament damage and will miss the remainder of the 2018 season. This is a super big bummer. Delaney Walker is 34 years old now. Likely, you know, towards the end of his career, this could be 
the nail in the coffin. I don't want it to be because he's always been fun to watch and play. He's one of the best all-around tight ends in the game today and the last about 10 years. So really tough to hear this. Um, Bets, any kind of, you know, he's not coming back, but any any other thoughts on this? No, you summarized that really well. I mean, the, the injury was brutal to watch. It was late in the game. I think it was only like two minutes left, and the defender that was tackling him rolled on the outside of his leg caused his ankle to buckle basically 90 degrees in the wrong direction. Um, so the mechanism of injury is pretty classic for that um, kind of high ankle sprain type of injury, dislocation and fracture of the bone on the outside of your lower leg. It's a similar injury to what Marcus Mariota had in 2016, as well as um, Odell Beckham last year. So his season's over. He's going to undergo surgery, and like you mentioned, uh, not sure how much we will see Delaney Walker in the future. And this is one where the backup actually does matter. I don't know if you guys talked about him on the uh, waiver show. Johnu, Johnu Smith. We did. We yeah. like him. Johnu Smith. I like him a lot. Yeah, he he is a uh, he's what they call an athletic freak, which is a commonly used term that gets thrown around all over the place. But he's actually it. He's extremely explosive, very athletic, um, and not a rookie anymore. So if he steps into that role that has been extremely highly used in this offense and with Mariota, he could have some serious value. Yeah, TFA's own Travis May, host of the Dynasty Life podcast and Titans fan, is all about Jonu Smith and has been for the last like two years. So if he likes him, I like him. I've looked at him a little bit and I like what I saw. I think he's ready to step in his role. Uh, it is very unfortunate to see Walker go down. However, I am excited for a guy like Johnny Smith to step up and could be, you know, one of the next franchise tight ends. So very, very fun to watch that transition, unfortunately, due to injury at this time. Yeah, and small word of caution, uh, Mariota also had a little bit of an injury issue. I think it might have been an elbow, Bets, do you know? Yeah, he took a shot kind of to the inside part of his elbow. Um, and after the yeah. game, he was saying that he was having like some numbness and tingling and nerve type symptoms mm-hmm. into his fingers and something hand. about couldn't feel his fingers. Yeah, couldn't yeah. feel his fingers. Had trouble gripping the ball and actually threw an interception when he came back in. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, I basically describe this um, on Twitter as essentially like a really nasty, funny elbow where you kind of like hit that nerve and then it sends those zingers down mm-hmm. your arm. Uh, his was just a little more intense um, and kind of a, a nerve contusion, which actually can happen. Uh, so I don't anticipate this being longer than a few days recovery he should be fine for week two all right and then one last big piece of news before we get a couple of quick hitters uh Leonard Fournette injured his hamstring and left Sunday's game in the second quarter TJ Yeldon stepped in and did a fairly good job uh he was probably one of the bigger waiver pickups this week however it sounds like his hamstring injury isn't terribly serious and uh expected to play this next week it sounds like so uh fill me in on that doctor yeah, he left the game classic fashion, grabbing the back of his thigh after uh, sprinting down the field. So it's one of the classic mechanisms, and you kind of knew it right away. Uh, ESPN's Justine Anderson, I think, is the one that reported he is expected to play this weekend. The Jaguars are going to be smart with him, and we'll probably keep him out all of this week and then have him test it pregame to make sure that he's ready. Um, it is a bit of a risk, because we know these soft tissue injuries, especially the hamstring, is most susceptible within two weeks of coming back onto the field. Uh, even if it is a low-grade injury. Now, we say all that, and I think it just kind of means that you have to temper some expectations and just be prepared that that might happen. But to be honest, I mean, if you have Fournette, the chances are you're going to start him because of the fact that you took him in the first or second round. So uh, he is expected to be out there on Sunday. Yeah, and I'm definitely uh, 
on board with the Yeldon train. If you all remember, I was on that train a long time ago when I picked him as one of my sleepers. Yep. Um, so besides the fact that I think that Fournette's workload probably drops um, as long as this continues, and the fact that we've he's had these kinds of lower body issues for a long, long time, and so we could see this flame up or get worse or cause some other kind of injury and Yeldon gets even more work. Uh, I do think Yeldon will be uh, involved regardless. So if you're, especially if you're in a PPR league, I'm all about having him on your roster and potentially even flexing him. All right, let's move on to these last couple quick pieces of injury news and notes. Uh, Burkhead apparently has entered the concussion protocol today. I believe that was this morning that started. Kind of interesting considering he did get that one pretty solid kind of helmet hit in I think the second quarter of that game and it looked pretty rough but he went back and played more so didn't really think much of it so I don't think this is terribly serious I think you got to keep an eye on him he has four days to clear the protocol and uh yeah keep an eye on this one going forward I think it's just a matter of if he clears he's good and if he doesn't then uh you're gonna sit him down so also we had Marquis Goodwin He was not practicing. He had a deep thigh bruise. Uh, Left Sunday's game, did not post a single reception. It's kind of a rough day if you had Goodwin in your lineup, and I know some people did. And last but not least, we have Marlon Mack. He got in a limited practice uh, from his hamstring injury. He was also practicing a little bit last week, but did not suit up for the game. So I would expect that week two, it looks like he's leaning towards getting back into action. Yeah, and that's definitely the case. I mean, they're they're planning on starting Mac this week based off what he did um, last week in practice. So I would agree he should be out there on Sunday. I'll bet you twenty bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. And we're going on to our over under segment now. Uh, we're once again going to go through one of each position. Unfortunately, without Jen here this week, we're going to have to find a workaround. Maybe we'll go by average points or something at the end of the year to determine who's the winner. But we will at least get all of our entries in for this. Uh, maybe I can ask her later on Twitter and see what she says. But we're going to go through these one by one. We're going to start with the quarterback. And now a little spoiler here is I actually took for the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, I took one player from each of our teams in the listener league. So it should be kind of interesting thing to uh, talk about real quick. So in the QB position, we have, uh, I believe this was Okada's quarterback, right? Andrew Luck. Probably. Yeah, I think it was. So You don't is, even know uh, your own team, man? Come on. I was just, no, I think I got was, a lot of teams, but <laughs> if, if it's Andrew Luck and it's from this podcast, it's probably me, though. Oh, uh, Andrew Luck sounds like me. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's projected for 19 points this week. Uh, had a pretty good opening. You know, week one, I think he looked pretty solid all around. Nothing world beater, but uh, over under 19 points. This is a really tough one for me. I, I kind of want to take the push. Do I get extra points if I take the push and Ooh. it's actually exactly 19? Well, I got to say good luck because Yahoo yeah, no. goes out to two decimal points. So I would recommend okay. not no, doing I'm definitely that. Not not if you get this um, on the dot, you can just win for the season. 19.00. Oh, uh, I'm still not taking it. <laughs> I will take the over in this one. Uh, they're playing the Redskins, who obviously made the Cardinals look pretty silly last week, but... They are the Cardinals, and they can make themselves look silly. Yeah. So I like Andrew Luck a lot, as you all know. Um, and if you guys watched that game or looked at any stats about where he was throwing, clearly Frank Reich is tailoring this offense to protect his arm as it gets stronger and stronger. They're yep. keeping passes short, quick hitting, um, 
kind of a an Alex Smith or even Tom Brady-ish sort of offense, and it worked really well for them. He threw the ball a lot and uh, scored a lot of points, so I'll take the over again. Uh, Betts, what are you feeling? Yeah, I'm with you, Okada. I, I like what you said. There's a good chance, to be honest, I'm going to take the over on Luck anytime he's on the dock for this, just because of the fact that that defense is so bad, they're going to have to throw the ball an absolute uh, absurd amount this time this year. So uh, I'm going to take the over on Luck. And I love Luck as well, so I will also be taking the over on this one. So let's go on to the running back position. We have Isaiah Crowell. Now, he had a good week one after uh, breaking off that like 60-yard touchdown run or whatever it was. It was pretty massive. Um, but he is projected for week two at 9.62 points against the Dolphins. So, bets lead us off with this one. Yeah, this is my guy. I've got Crow in the listener league, uh, and I was excited that I started him. But I'm going to go with the under here. Uh, the thing that I'm a little hesitant about is the fact that Blau Powell got the most work in the game he was the guy that started the game and he was the guy that was in there um at the end too to kind of ice it out so uh, i'm gonna go under with crow i think last week was unfortunately uh, a little misleading for fantasy owners i wish i could uh defer or differ i wish i could differ here because uh, eventually i'm gonna have to make some points up on bets who apparently kent and i are losing to right now <laughs> but literally Literally everything Betts just said, I also take the under for those reasons. Yeah, only 10 rushing attempts, uh, and I think, what, two receptions or something like that. It's not doesn't look terribly good as far as his usage goes. I think Powell's going to be the lead guy there. So I will also take the under, unfortunately. So we're matching through two. Let's uh, maybe get a little variation for the sake of it as we go on here. But in the wide receiver position, we have Keelan Cole. This is my guy, and he's projected for 9.75 points, coming off uh, somewhat of a you know disappointing opening, considering people were hoping for wide receiver, you know, two type numbers, and he didn't really get there. So I'm gonna go ahead and take the over on this one. I'm gonna say that this passing tag bounces back a little bit, and uh, Cole's the guy who I think is slated to get the most. Uh, yardage on his team you know D.D. Westbrook might have more reception floor but I think if there's a guy with big playability it's definitely Keelan Cole well as the uh, resident Patriot guy I'm going to pull out my Patriot knowledge here and here's what I know about the Patriots Bill Belichick finds your number one weapon and shuts it down and last week we saw it with one of the best number one weapons in the entire league DeAndre Hopkins and I think he's going to do it with Keelan Cole here. I don't think he, they have to be as concerned with Fournette because of the injury. Um, so I think that he will find a way to shut down Keelan Cole. And I, I want to like him, especially because Fournette uh, may be limited. It may cause him to throw a little more, and they might be down. But I just I just trust Belichick more than myself or anybody else. So I'll take the under. Yeah, I'm going under as well. Um, you can run on the Patriots. That's the one thing you can do, uh, as we see in Week One. So. I'm going to take uh, the under. I think that some sort of combination of Fournette and Yeldon uh, gets it done on the ground, and Cole is left under this number. All right, so we have those locked in, and a little bit of difference on that one. Let's go to uh, the tight end position. We have Jared Cook. Now, you might think, you yucky Raiders attack, but he's only projected for 6.06 points, so kind of a lower benchmark makes it a little bit tougher. What do you guys think? Okada. This is an easy under for me. Uh, Jared Cook, he he does this sometimes. He comes out and looks incredible, and we say, oh, there's Jared Cook. He's back. 
he's real, and then he's not. And if you want some specific context, in we in 2013, in week one, in the opener, he had 141 yards and two touchdowns. The following week, he had 10 yards on one catch. Yeah, I suppose I so, should mention, mention week one, he had nine receptions for 180 yards, which is absurd. Yeah. Um, yeah. But go ahead. So, one catch for 10 yards is less than six points. Even if he gets a little more than that, I don't think he gets more than six, so I'll take the under. All right, bets. Now that we're talking about Jared Cook, I've got to read a really funny tweet from our friend Keaton Denlay uh, on on Twitter. Keaton said, Jared Cook's week one performance is like those emails saying I want a free iPad. One of these times I might actually win an iPad, but I'll never know because 10 years ago I got a virus clicking one of those emails and I won't ever do it again. <laughs> so true. <laughs> oh, Jared that Cook is the perfectly. virus. Yeah. Despite the fact that those words are true and everything that you said, Okada, is true, uh, I'm going to take the over, actually. And the reason is because he's projected for such a low uh, number of points. The Broncos are very good in the secondary, but if they do have a weakness, it's the fact that you can throw to the tight end. Mm -hmm. It was ugly with the receivers um, in Oakland, so I'm going to go ahead and take the over. Yep, I was just going to talk about the Denver defense being pretty lenient to the tight end position, so I'm also going to take the over. I don't think you're going to see 180 yards again, but I think there's uh, uh, some reasonable consideration there for about 50 60 yards so moving on to our flex position we're going to go ahead and put a little spin on this one last week we did uh breda versus morris this week we're doing battle of the coopers and basically what you're going to do is in your flex position you're going to tell me if you want to start either amari cooper or cooper cup bets we'll start with you yeah i am taking this with cooper cup and that is not even a question uh, I'm terrified to have any Amari Cooper shares this year. I love the player. I just I can't start him until I see it again. Uh, Bets, you're frustrating me with taking all of my same ideas, and I have no nowhere to come back. Yeah, we're just smart. <laughs> we're is, just uh, smart guys. This is beyond easy for me. Um, I hate Amari Cooper right now, and I love Cooper Cup. In fact. Cooper Cup's been one of my favorite players. If you look back to when he first got drafted, there's a tweet that I tweeted. It was over a year ago. And I said that Cooper Cup and uh, Jared Goff would be the next Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers. And I said this because I went and watched them in training camp, which happens right near where I live. And I see the connection between those guys, and it's awesome. Um, He's their red zone threat. I think he's uh, a lot of their third down threat. So I love me some Cooper Cup, um, not just this week, but season long and in Dynasty. Gimme, 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 and easily over Amari Cooper here. You know, I actually do like Cooper Cup, but I'm going to take Amari Cooper on this one because he's still capable of blowing up for massive, massive games. And I think Cooper Cup is going to be a little bit more capped as far as upside considering how that offense runs. So... For that reason, I, I know that it's certainly capable that Cooper could have another... I, I need to specify my Cooper. Amari Cooper could have a very, very bad game like he did week one, but I think he has way more upside. So I'm going to go ahead and swing for the fences on this one, and I'm going to say Amari. Yeah, unfortunately, Kent, all of our listeners who own him are going to have him on the bench, and he's going to do one of those things where he goes off for like 9, 162. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's... I mean... It's unfortunate, but that's kind of how it was last year, and I think it's going to be similar to that this year. Drivers, start your engines! All right, looking forward to week two. We're going to look at our starts of the week. So we're going to swing it over to Betts right away. Tell us who your start of the week is and why you like him. 
Yeah, so this is a guy who on previous pods, which I think we did the wide receiver preview with uh, Matt Harmon, I disparaged this man's name. Uh, Devin Funches, I am sorry if you heard that. I am back on your side. Uh, I'm sure he listened to the podcast, so yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Give Give me Devin Funches this week. The main reason that I like him as a start is because of the fact that, as we talked about, Greg Olson is going to be down for a significant amount of time. I pulled up the stats from last year when Olsen was out and when he was in and compared them uh, with Funchess' numbers during those games. Uh, in the nine games where Olsen was out, Funchess averaged 8.4 targets a game. When Olsen was in there, he averaged 4.1 targets a game. Uh, when he's out, Funchess is the guy. Um, I know that Cam isn't the best passing quarterback, but he was productive last year uh, when he got thrown the ball, Funchess that is. So I like him this week. They're going against Atlanta. I like this to be a bit of a shootout uh, with a lot of points scored. So I'm starting Devin Funches this week if I've got him, um, which unfortunately, as you guys may know, I might not have a lot of him because I didn't like him coming into the season. But if you got him, start him. Would you rather have Devin Funches or Chris Hogan this week? I'm gonna sp- yeah, season long Hogan, no question. This week, I'm starting Funchess. Uh, I don't trust Hogan after what I saw Tom do against spreading the ball around last week and then playing against the Jacksonville secondary, so I'll take Funchess. All right, I like the commitment. Okada, let's swing it over to you. Let us know who your start of the week is. Oh, oh. <laughs> First of all, what? I would just like to state for the record <laughs> that Josh Gordon is on pace for 17 receiving touchdowns. No, 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 16. 16 receiving oh touchdowns. Oh, my gosh. So don't want to overhype it. You know, we got to keep things realistic here. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's Josh Gordon. And uh, this is the time, boys and girls. Uh, last week, I was, uh, I was not super hyped on starting him because of a lot of the news that was happening, the weather, obviously. And I had to tame my expectations for my favorite offseason player. But but this is the time. The time has come. Start your Josh Gordons. They're going to be uh, <clears throat> in the Saints' dome. So there's no weather and hamstring concerns. So I think he's going to be a full go. Uh, if you guys watched the Saints-Buccaneers uh, game, what you saw was one of the most incredible deep passing performances in recent memory. And I just had to pull up the stats. On throws past 10 yards down the field versus the Pucks, and this was Ryan Fitzpatrick, mind you, the Saints allowed 11 completions on 12 attempts for 322 yards and three touchdowns. So they are getting beat deep, and that is where Josh Gordon makes his money. Um, I think that the Browns are going to have to throw a lot to keep up with the Saints' offense. And New Orleans' best corner, who Marshawn Lattimore, at least I think he's their best corner, I would say so. Mm-hmm. He's six foot, 193 pounds. Gordon is six foot three, 225 pounds. He mossed somebody this last week. He's going to moss somebody again. He's going to get a touchdown, and he's going to get some yards this time. I'm all on board. You know, if you wanted to go one better, you could have at least. Or you could have also said that he's going to get a touchdown on every single catch he has this season. So, oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, he's pacing mm. that. So, hashtag math, guys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did, you, Oka- did you hear the? Go ahead. I was gonna say Okada. I love it. I am excited about Josh Gordon this week. After basically the Browns saying he was going to be on a snap count last week, and I think he played close to eighty percent of the snaps. So if that's his snap count and he's getting the start uh, this weekend, based off what he did last week catching the touchdown. Um, 
I got to say, man, I'm all in with Josh Gordon with you. And the reason primarily is because I own him in our listener league. And I love Ooh. that he caught me a touchdown last week. So let's go, Josh Gordon. Yeah, he bailed you out with that touchdown if you did start him. Um, did you hear the story about Hugh Jackson said that he accidentally started Josh Gordon in week one anyway? Yeah, he said he wasn't they going had, to. Like, some package issue. What is the deal with Hugh Jackson that he cannot control a football team? It's oh, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, let's move on to my start of the week. I'm going to go ahead and throw a Danny Amendola. I think he's set up for a big week this week. And now there's actually something similar this week to last week when I talked about my start of the week. He's going against the exact same cornerback in the slot, and his name is apparently Buster Screen. I, I pronounced it Screen last week, so I'm going to go ahead and correct that for the record. Uh, but guess what? Golden Tate went out there, and he ended up getting 15 targets. Now, the passing attack from Stafford last week was a little bit sketchy, so he only caught seven for 79 and a touchdown. Terrible day, I know. But I think Danny Amendola, who is one of the best sure-handed pass catchers in the league, in fact, in the last five seasons, 2013 through 2017, he is number nine in the league for catch percentage for uh, among guys with over 100 receptions. So he is one of the best. I think he's going to be great out of the slot going against a terrible cornerback. Same exact reason as last week. I'm ready to lock it in and uh, flex him this week in PPR formats. And I think he's set up for probably like seven or eight receptions, no problem. Mostly because you can't run against the Jets' front seven. They are legitimately scary. Actually, I pulled up the uh, the stats here. Let me let me look at this again because the leading rusher on the team was actually Theo Riddick last week against the Jets, and he had 20 rushing yards. Carryon Johnson had 17 rushing yards. Matt Stafford had six, and then two guys had negative yards. So it's hard to rush against wow. the Jets. Yeah, it's pretty pretty ugly. But do you uh, attribute that to have... the fact that the Lions can never run the ball and or they were <laughs> somehow getting absolutely destroyed by the Jets? Well, it's yeah, it's a little of column A, a little column B. I think that the Lions improved their line enough to the point where they should be able to run the ball if they want to. Uh, when they did run, they actually did okay yards per carry-wise. Uh, they did not run the ball very often, so that is certainly a fact of game script. But I can see it going somewhat similarly. I think the Dolphins winning last week was somewhat of a mistake. Anthony, please don't kill me. Um I don't think they're a very good team, so I think they're going to have to pass a lot, and I think Tannehill's capable enough to uh, get it in the hands of Amendola out of the slot. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it a little bit. Not a lot of it, but a little bit. All right, well, let's move on to our sits of the week. Why do you do this to me? I'm benching you, Lewis. I don't want to hear word out of you. Sit down! By the way, do you guys know where that soundbite is from? I actually it's from don't. an older movie. It says Bill Murray, right? Uh, no, it's Celtics Pride or Celtics Pride. What? Yeah. Oh, it's got a lot of big names in it. I'll have to look up the list of actors here later for you. I but have never heard that. Before. I They're definitely not. recommend it. It's very, very funny. So, um, good, good '90s sports movie about basketball. But anyway, we're going to talk about our sits of the week, and we're going to go through the exact same order here. We went on our starts. So, bets. Who are you sitting down? Yeah, I am not going to play Derrick Henry this week. Um, I think the writing is on the wall with this backfield and what it's going to be. I love Deion Lewis. I know our girl Jen loves Deion Lewis, and that came to fruition last week. Uh, the snap count before between the two was 49 for Deion Lewis and just 20 for Derrick Henry. Uh, in terms of their workload and what they got, Henry, 10 carries for just 26 yards, which is abysmal, and Deion Lewis, 16 for 75 and a score. 
And the thing that I think we've all been on board with, you know, all summer long is the fact that Lewis is um, the passing down back for sure in this offense that's established and that is that is well documented. Um, listen, I, I can't trust Derrick Henry if Deion Lewis is healthy and he's in there. Now, I will say, if at some point Lewis goes out with injury, which we know that he has a history of, um, I will be more interested in Henry because we've seen what he can do with a full workload. But when he's splitting time uh, with a guy like Deion Lewis, who is very talented, um, I don't want to play him at all. So I am off of Derrick Henry this week. Yeah, this is a, this is a really good call. And I honestly wish, or looking back, and not even just because I saw what happened last week, but just thinking about it more, I wish I had been more down on Derrick Henry and like been really vocal about it in the offseason. Because what we know about him throughout his entire career is he has to be a guy who gets a lot of carries throughout the game. He's a pounding runner. He smacks a defense over and over again, kind of like Leonard Fournette does, and then and doesn't do that great. And his yards per carry don't look that good. And then once the defense is so tired and battered that he can break off a 50-yard touchdown, it makes his stat line look really, really good. But because he's not getting those kinds of carries with Deion Lewis there, and probably never will, he's going to be extremely ineffective, I think, for the entire season. So this is a really good call. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, I kind of compared him also. Leonard Fournette was a good comparison. Kind of... uh, the old uh, AP style as well, pretty just smack him into the defensive line over and over again. Eventually, you get the one where you break through, shoot off like a cannon. That's and that's kind of his game, and he doesn't catch the ball very well. So, I'm all about it. Okada, let's uh, let's swing it over to you. Who's your sit of the week? Yeah, so uh, he came up a little earlier. I think somebody was kind of liking the idea uh, with Aaron Rodgers being a little hurt, but I'm going to sit Randall Cobb this week. And there's a few reasons. One is Rodgers being a little hurt, even if that does potentially keep him uh, more on a short throw type uh, style, and supposedly that might <clears throat> favor Randall Cobb. I think that overall it it brings down his production a little bit, so that concerns me. And then the other thing is just he's playing the Vikings, and besides the fact that the Vikings are very very good. Randall Cobb has been especially bad against the Vikings over his career. I pulled up the numbers. In 10 games, he's averaged less than four receptions, 35 yards, and has two total touchdowns across all those 10 games. So it has not been pretty for him. Uh, They have some other weapons now we saw come out uh, this last game. Geronimo Allison looked great, which I was happy about because I've been on him all offseason. And I'm I'm a little concerned about that passing attack and that team in general this week. I think the Vikings are going to pull off the win. I'm sure Kent likes to hear that. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I know he's going to be playing against Mike Hughes, our first-round draft pick cornerback uh, in the draft this year. So uh, he did very well the first week. He had a pick six, looked outstanding out there playing in the slot. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to be a great day for Cobb, especially considering uh, Rodgers a little bit hobbled. So Real quick, guys. Uh, yeah, is that, and I yeah. spech- Sorry, is that game in Green ahead. Bay or is that in Minnesota? Uh, it is believe, in Green Bay. Yeah, I was gonna say Green Bay. Um, and one of the other reasons I I I picked Cobb as my guy is because he, if you look at his stat line from last week, it looks unbelievable, and you think, oh my goodness gracious, I have this is a guy who's a locked in wide receiver too. Um, but he had seventy five yards and a touchdown of that stat line on one play that was extremely broken. The Bears just like all fell down and ran into each other and could not figure out how to take an angle to tackle him. And he ran almost the entirety of the field and scored. So it, it, 
inflated what his final uh, box score was. Man, the okay, I'm sorry, but the announcers were talking about Aaron Rodgers and what he did on that play after the fact. And I was like, that was 95% Randall Cobb. I mean, the initial throw was fine. It was good, whatever. But after that play, you got to only be talking about what Randall Cobb did getting up the field. And that's my mini rant on the announcers and loving Aaron Rodgers too much. <laughs> I like the fact that when he when he caught the ball, there was like a split second in time where he kind of like caught it and he was like, oh, oh, crap. There's no one around me. Like, I'm just yep. going to run. Uh, and you what? mentioned Okada. No one's tackling me? What happened? Yeah, yeah exactly. I think it was kind of fluky as well. So I'm with you on that, Okada. Yeah. And then I guess I'll close up this section and uh, give you my sit of the week. I'm going to be sitting down. Russell Wilson, and I know that you know he was Ooh. a top five quarterback uh, in terms of draft capital, and people are not likely to bench him very often, but I am sitting him for two reasons. One, Doug Baldwin is not going to play. Tyler Lockett looked fine in his replacement. I think Brandon Marshall is okay as well. So the Seahawks are going to be playing up against this very scary Bears defense. Big scary Bears. And <laughs> the Bears. The Bears. They're Big so scary. scary. Bears. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that the first half of the Packers and Bears game, I thought that the defense was going to literally cause Aaron Rodgers to explode. And uh, once he went back into that game on the hobbled knee, I thought he was toast. And I don't wish for that, but I was just like, why would you go back against – one of the strongest defenses in the league right now. I will commit to that that idea. Uh, and I think the Bears' defense is also a startable asset if you have defenses in, in your league. So uh, I can I can at least say that I, I think they're a very strong defense. I think that they're going to get through to the, uh, the quarterback here because their offensive line is not that great, and the pass-catching options are not that great as well for Russell. So I'm going to sit him down. I'm going to find a streaming replacement. I think there's plenty of options out there. Uh, it, I don't know if you guys have any you know, comparative guys you want to throw out there and see if I'll take them over Russ, but I'm willing to bet that some of the top streaming options I would at this moment. Jared Goff versus the Cardinals. I'd take Goff. Case Keenum versus the Raiders. I think I go Keenum. I do. They looked really good last week. Yeah. What about uh, what about my Tyrod boy, Taylor versus the Tyrod Saints. Taylor. Oh, uh, even that's new. No, actually, Tyrod. I'm not too excited about this week. Uh, so I'm gonna take Russ there. Really? Yeah. I would. I would take Tyrod over Russell. Probably more than even those Man, other guys. But I'm, I also love Tyrod. I'm. I, I'm with Ben. Yeah, so I know you guys know how like, I feel about him, so I'm going Tyrod there. All right, mini tangent. I know people love Tyrod because he runs, and that's great. And that certainly helped out his fantasy score this week. But his passing was awful. And I mean, like, actually really bad. So, uh, okay, I don't it know. It was bad weather, okay? Like, yeah, it was. But it the thing was, is, does it matter? It, it doesn't, honestly. It doesn't for fantasy. It, uh, it doesn't until he has, like, a 3 Cam Newton's day. never been a great passer. Yeah. He's, he's had fantasy value off his legs. That's done, fair, yeah. um, I, guess. I will say... I will say when I was looking through the, the the games this week, trying to pick a sit of the week, I picked Russell Wilson, and then I just didn't have the cojones to to actually say it. So good job, Ken. It's good a bolder you. take, and you know I'm sure people will start him anyway. But I, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and at least say don't expect you know a 20 point plus outing. That's that's really all I can say. And if you can bet the over under on sacks, I don't know if that's a thing, but bet Ooh. the over. He, he, oh my goodness! I bet he gets sacked. He's like going to get times. annihilated. Yeah. Oh, more. I would take like eight to ten. You yeah. Really? That's actually that's a considerable amount. But I yeah, know, I could, but I could dude, see it happening. This is going to be ugly. 
Yeah, it's tough for Russell Wilson. I mean, the guy had almost no weapons coming into the season outside of Doug Baldwin, and now he loses him, so it's going to be rough. Uh, I will say, though, Kent, just to kind of comment on the fact that you brought up such a high-profile guy as a sit here at the quarterback position, um, it's not a bad idea, and it doesn't mean that you were wrong in your draft selection of a player like this this guy, like a, a high-caliber guy at the quarterback position. Quarterback is all about matchup, so I agree with you. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. drop him and pick up someone else, but a low-level bench no, guy, no. drop him, hold on to us, and snag one of these other streamers like we talked about to play over him. So I agree. I'm actually doing that exact strategy in one of our leagues, so I am off of yeah. Russ this week. Yeah, great point. Sit, not not drop. I, I'm not looking forward to, or I'm not telling you to drop Russell Wilson right away. That'd be lunacy. So, uh, all right, good job there on the Sits of the Week. Let's go on to a new segment. 4,002. Uh, Mr. Burgundy. 4,003. Just doing my workout. Oh, it's a deep burn. All right, we're going to go on to flex or next. This is going to be a real quick uh, pick em type situation. We're going to go pretty much zero to minimal explanation on these. We're basically going to talk about guys who could be potential flex options for the week. And you're going to let me know, uh, the other hosts on the show here, and I'll also offer my choice as well, if you're going to flex them or if you're going to say, nah, next, maybe next week. So... We're going to start off right away with Chris Carson on that Seattle offense. We just talked about he's playing at Chicago. Let's go ahead and start with bets. I'm going next. All right. Okada? Yeah, I, I really want to flex, but I'm going to go next. I am also going to say next. I am very scared of the big scary bears. So <laughs> nah, bears. Uh, let's go on to Hogan, Chris Hogan of the Patriots playing at home against Jacksonville. Okada. Next. Yeah, I'm okay. He, he, he's going to get Ramsey. I don't want it. Yeah, I'm okay starting him as a flex type of player. I wouldn't start him as a wide receiver one or two uh, in your lineup. He can catch one deep ball and, and be okay in that flex. So I'd flex him if I had to. Yeah, it it would have to be a, a drastic uh, danger flex because I am going to say next. I'm sitting him down and uh, hoping I at least see targets there this week and snap count. Uh, I'm not expecting a good production. So on to Crabtree at home against Cincinnati Bengals. Bets? I'd flex him. Uh, Joe Flacco was aggressive last time, which was was great to see in week one. So I'll flex Crabtree this week. From a volume standpoint, I want to flex him, but the Thursday night game, two teams with defense and not much else. I'm going to say next on this one. I am going to say flex. I'll flex him. I think he's got the touchdown upside uh, every week. I think he's going to be pretty much the same thing he was in in Oakland. So I'll flex him. I think he's worth it. Going on to uh, Bilal Powell at home against the Miami Dolphins. Okada. Uh, I'll flex. I'll flex Powell. Um. I, th- I think he has a little bit uh, better game than Crowell. I went with the under on Crowell, so I'll flex him. Yeah, I'll take the opportunity here. I think he's going to have receptions. I think he's going to have rushes. I think he's, for all intents and purposes, the lead running back there. And it's a better – well, it's actually I, – I don't think it could be better than last week as far as game script, but I think he'll he'll get some, some grinding carries here. Bets? Yeah, I'm with you guys. I'd flex him this week. All right, let's go over to Alfred Morris, uh, the new 49ers running back, going against the Detroit Lions at home. 
I'll say uh, I'll say next. I'm not gonna start him till I see it. You know. I'm I'm gonna flex him. If uh if the Jets could do what they did to the Lions, I think the I think the Niners can do the same thing, and I think they might actually have a lead in this one, or at least be looking to have a close game, run the clock out. So yeah, I'll well, flex him. The Lions sure got sliced up uh, in the run game. Oof, it was unbelievable. It was ugly. Uh, bets. Yeah, I, I kind of agree exactly with what you said, Kent. I'm going to wait till I see it from Alf before I actually put him in my lineup, so I'm going next on this one. All right, and Calvin Benjamin going against the L.A. Chargers. Bets. Mm. No, no Kelvin ever for me. <laughs> next. <laughs> I'm going to have to say next on Kelvin Benjamin. For this week, I think it's going to be a flexible thing after this week, but... Against the Chargers, I'm not in. And Josh Allen's first game. Yep, that's exactly the reason that I am not going to start him. Uh, I, I just, again, I'm going to have to see what this connection is like in the real real regular season before I do anything with it. So I'm going to say next on Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin, he's riding the bench. Let's go down to Carrion Johnson playing at San Francisco 49ers. Flex him. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, Bets, we didn't talk about him. What's the story on him? Yeah, there really, really, quick. Yeah, there really hasn't been much going on with uh, Blunt in terms of news. He left the game early with a knee injury. Uh, it's not reported to be serious, uh, and I've actually read that he could have had a chance to come back in if they wanted him to, but the fact that the game was over when he went out uh, kept him out for the game. So I'm not sure if he's going to play this week. We'll have to watch the practice reports. He, uh, yeah, I guess I should clarify. If Blunt is in, I'm not flexing, but if Blunt is out, I'm flexing. Bl- Blunt practiced in full today. Gotcha. So yeah, he's, he's all right. Track. Then I'm next. Next. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'd say he's playing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say next as well. I'm gonna go next as well. All right, Pierre Garcon versus the Detroit Lions. Oh, yeah, you oh, like that? Oui, oui, <laughs> that's, um, that's my French. <laughs> I will take Pierre Garcon. <laughs> Absolutely. I uh, I was I was high on Garcon coming in, and uh, Goodwin banged up, so I'll flex him. Yeah, I'm flexing him too. Uh, we know that. Uh, Goodwin is currently banged up with that quad contusion, so unclear if he'll play. Um, even if Goodwin does play, I'd still flex Garcon this week. I like him a lot. I think uh, it looks like Goodwin's going to be out, in my opinion, so I'm going to say Garcon is a flex. I also think Pettis is an upside flex as well. I'll just throw that on there. Uh, let's go down to Jamison Crowder playing at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Flex, and it might be a tough flex because he did really poorly, but the Colts are terrible on defense, so I'm flexing him. 100%, I agree with you. This is less of a I like Crowder take and more of a the Colts are so bad that you need to start whoever they're playing take, so I will flex Crowder this week. I'm going to... I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say let's let's go next on Crowder because he's third in uh, snap percentage on this team so far for the wide receivers. I know he plays out of the slot, but uh, I just don't see them needing to use three wide receiver sets too often if they're going to be ahead. So I'm going to I'm going to put him down. I'm going to say next. So let's go to Peyton Barber versus the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Mm, next, uh, I mean. I don't think you have to if you have him, so that's probably why. Eagles defense is very, very good, especially against the run, so next. Yeah, that Eagles D is a top five defense against the run, so I agree. I'm not going to play Peyton Barber this week. Next for me. 
And I'm going to be different again as well. Uh, he had 19 ru- He had 19 rushes last week and I think uh, a target or two. So 20 touches approximately, I think that's good enough to flex. I don't think uh, the matchup should be too much of a matter as long as you're getting 20 touches. So I'll flex him. I'm not expecting a huge week, but uh, if he can hold his own, get about five, six points, maybe a little more, that'd be nice. But uh, yeah, I'd throw him in there. All right, and the last one we have on the list, we're talking about Corey Davis playing against the Houston Texans at home. Um, I'll flex him. He's going to get a lot of targets with no Delaney Walker in this first game. So, yeah, I'll take him. Yeah, we touched on it earlier. We we all kind of like Jonu Smith to develop into something this season. I don't know that it happens in his first game, so I agree. I like Davis this week. I would flex him as well. I am 100% in. I loved him last year on a talent coming out of the draft. I love that he's going to get some more opportunity now. Uh, I'm I'm in flex. All right, let's move on to the mailbag. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day. Okay. All right, we got a couple of questions that came in on Twitter uh, here recently, so we'll go ahead and talk through them real quick. We got about you know three, four, five minutes. We can chat about these. So this first one comes in from at k underscore rigs eight oh eight. Thank you for sending in the question. His question is, what are you doing with Matt? Stafford this week do you play him again or would you pick up someone else and potentially keep him on the bench or would you drop him even I say no no don't drop yeah it depends on who's on the waiver wire as far as to who to start but I'm not dropping him and I'm probably starting him against the 49ers they're gonna listen we've seen a lot of Matthew Stafford over the years he has not suddenly become terrible at playing the quarterback position and he has the same weapon so uh, I'm okay starting him again yeah, I agree with you guys. I'm actually going to go ahead and start him in a, in a league this week, despite the fact that I got absolutely burned last week. Uh, we can't react too much week by week in fantasy football, or else you do get burned. Um, like you mentioned, Stafford's a good quarterback. The defense historically in San Fran isn't great. Uh, so I like him this week. I'll still play him, and I think they bounce back. Okada, did you consider the fact that the aliens from Space Jam could have stolen his talent? And now he's terrible. Um, they stick to basketball. I'm pretty sure. Ah, so I'm you know what? You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, no, Stafford's gonna be fine. I think he's he's worth starting this week. So that's almost a no brainer for me. If you have a really good, like maybe like a Roethlisberger, if you can pick him up and stream him and still be able to hold on to Stafford, I might I might do that. In fact, I think I am doing that in one league. So uh, it would take a pretty good streamer for me to put him on the bench this week. Let's go on to the next question from at. Corey Stoller, I think I'm saying that right. He asks us, is Tyreek Hill a lock to finish as a top wide receiver in PPR leagues after what we saw from him in preseason and week one? Okay, I, I have to say something here because I you all heard me ragging on Tyreek Hill uh, a heck of a lot in the offseason. And here's what I have to say. What I said in the offseason was that the only way that he could continue the pace that he was on would be if he was one of the greatest deep threats, speed receivers, etc. in the entire league. And so you almost had to bet on regression. The problem is it's looking more and more like he might actually be that. So I'm easing towards being okay with him. Having said that, I'm not putting him as a lock wide receiver one. No, I still think he's going to have boom bust weeks. But I do. I am coming around on him being one of the most elite receivers at what he does in the entire league. Yeah, I mean, you kind of talked about everything that I wanted to say, too. 
he is elite as a wide receiver for sure. Is he a lock for a top five finish in PPR leagues? I don't know that I would say he's a lock. I would say he's a lock for top 10 for sure season long. But the, the issue that I have with Tyree Kill, and, and it's nothing against the fact that he's a good or bad player or anything like that. It's just that we see these boomer bust weeks, which I think is still going to happen. Uh, although I will say that connection between Mahomes and Hill is very enticing. Uh, so I, I do think he will finish their season-long top 10. I don't know about top five. Wait, ho- hold on. Is Kevin going to jump into this call real quick? Pat Mahomes is oh, God. <laughs> that's that's Kevin. That's my Kevin impression. And I think that's from the first episode we did, actually. I happen to have that saved as a soundbite. But, yeah, no, Mahomes to Hill looked really, really good, and that's going to be a scary threat all season long. But – uh, did you know that actually Sammy Watkins played 91% of snaps to Tyreek Hill's 71%? Oh, that, that's uh, that's very helpful to know, Kent. Thank I you. mean, it is. Uh, I recently started writing about the snap percentage over with the uh, fantasy footballers, so I thought I'd let you know that. But no, um, I think that Watkins is still going to have weeks where he's playable here, and I think that's going to be the weeks where Tyreek Hill doesn't hit his long uh, long shot touchdown or big like 60-yard gain play. Uh, it's going to happen. They're not going to get one every week, I I think. I mean, they might. That team looks really strong and able to do that, but uh, there's going to be down weeks. So I think that Watkins has a chance to really step up here and improve this offense as a whole. And keep in mind, Travis Kelsey had one reception for six yards. That might not ever happen again all year long. We know he's elite, so... There's going to be balls going elsewhere in this offense. And, I mean, whenever Tyreek touches it, he will still take it a long way probably. But but I wouldn't, I'm not quite as high as I don't – I still don't think quite as high as top five. All right, let's go over to a question from M Rockman 12 And he asks, when looking for waiver wire options early, do you base your pickups more on volume, such as carries or targets – and expect the production to increase, or do you pick them up based on production and expect the volume to increase? Huh. This is a this is a good question, and I don't think there's a cut and dry answer. I think that it depends on the situation, the player, the position, uh, etc. So, for example, uh, Philip Lindsay, his production was incredible. Um, I don't really think that his volume is going to increase necessarily, but. The production was so strong that even if his volume decreased a little bit, he's going to have some usability. So it really depends on uh, on the situation, um, and there are strong points to support both both options. Yeah, I don't really have a strong opinion either way on this either. Um, I'm more of an opportunity type of guy, meaning that I like that out of the players that I pick up. Uh, but like you mentioned, Okada, when you see someone have a great productive week, it opens your eyes a little bit, and then you kind of have to question, you know, is this for real, or, or is this just kind of a flash in the pan? Um, and if you wait around for those guys, then you'll miss out. So it's not a cut or dry one way or the other. I think that there's scenarios in which both are um, the right answer for this. So sorry to, to whoever asked this question. We're probably not helping a lot. Um, I will say, in one of the places where I think there is a clear-cut answer is more on, like, the uh, running back handcuff or backups. If, so, like, for example, Austin Eckler and TJ Yeldon, when we see them do really, really well with limited work and we know that they're the guy, if their guy in front of them gets hurt or if they have more opportunity to show up, that's a place where I'm definitely picking up based off production as opposed to volume. Yeah, I would say I'm more volume myself. I try and look for the things that lead to fantasy points. I don't. I try not to 
follow the points or point chase as as some may call it so that tends to be how how i go about it so let's go on to our last question in on twitter and this is also this can be a kind of like a thursday night game preview here uh which if you're listening to this podcast will probably be during the day thursday or hopefully not after but uh he asks this is from at bailey underscore kumar would you start jay ajayi versus tampa bay or alex collins in thursday night football against the bengals Ooh, this is a really tough one. Uh, Darren Sproles is very, very involved in that offense. And they, Ajayi was not last week, but they did say, uh, Peterson came out and said that he intends to get Ajayi more involved. Um, And I did mention regarding this Thursday night game, I think it's not going to be very offensively stuffed. So I will take Ajayi on this one. I'm going to agree with you, Okada. Uh, I got a couple of things to say about Mr. Ajayi. As you all know, I am a fan this year as a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, but the thing that we also need to consider with Alex Collins is your boy, Kent, unfortunately, Ken Dixon, was placed on the IR today. Um, so even though Collins was punished possibly for fumbling last week or whatever happened, which was a weird scenario, um, he's back into being locked in as the top guy in that running back committee. Uh, but I still lean Ajayi this week. I have a good friend who lives in Philadelphia who actually lives in JHI's building. And last uh, last Sunday night, or no, it's Thursday, Thursday night, sorry. He said he saw him walk into the building, and even after they won and he scored two touchdowns in the second half, he looked pissed. And the, he said, what's up to him? said, hi. And Ajayi just kind of like nodded his head like, yeah, I didn't get the workload and I'm, I'm upset. Uh, so I think he's going to come out. Guns are blazing this week. I like him, and if I have him, I'm starting him. Is there? I I think the only person second to Gore in agelessness is Darren Sproles. This dude's still like top mm. five fastest running backs in the league. I swear he is so speedy once he gets going. It's unbelievable. And he's a he's a tough little man too. He, yeah. like, he runs into people. He's kind of got like the Edelman syndrome, I guess. Where he just <laughs> doesn't care that he's too small to be running smack dab into people. Yeah, he smashes it up. But to uh, to answer the question here, I am also going to go with uh, Jay Ajayi against Tampa Bay. I think he's going to get the increased workload against the Buccaneers, who are definitely not going to put up 40-plus points again. I will bet on that. I'll take that to the bank. Um, and I think Alex Collins is an okay play, but Thursday night football games are just typically boring and, and scrappy and ugly. And so I'm going to avoid him for one more week and hope I see a good workload, bare minimum. Uh, but yeah, JJ. <clears throat> um, but but guys, <laughs> Alex Collins is like the best running back ever, and um, <laughs> Kenneth Dixon is hurt. Man, uh, I'm so sad. Jen. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was, oh, that was Jen. That was Jen. Oh boy, Jen's gonna be happy about that. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> I'm sad about Kenneth Dixon. I really am. But Buck Allen is is no spring chicken himself. He's he's fine in that pass catching role. I think that Alex and him. Uh, are going to be a good combo tandem backfield. So I'm not I'm not too worried about the fact that Kenneth Dixon went down. He only got used when they were up by uh, like a million points. So, yeah. I will say, uh, before we move on, he is, meaning Alex Collins, he is probably my favorite trade target this week. I've seen a lot of people in leagues that I play with that are just absolutely – uh, on tilt, don't know what to do, don't know what's happening in that backfield, and I think it's going to kind of balance out moving forward here. So I'm going to go try and trade for Alex Collins in a few leagues, and I would recommend that you all do the same. 
Solid. And that wraps up week two of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Bats Okada and myself, we're glad to uh, dish out all this information for you here today. We tried to squeeze in a little bit more, uh, hopefully not go too long, but we did our best. And uh, we'll continue to work in, you know, fun stuff each and every week. And we got that waiver episode uh, coming out Monday nights. So you have all day Tuesday to get the best waiver information out there. Uh, get the guys you want for a cheap price or hopefully as cheap as you can. And, uh, yeah, we'll also have some injury information we'll throw out uh, on those Monday episodes as well. Kind of short and sweet, let you know what's going on. Bets uh, will be there. And uh, we'll try and put together, you know, it might only be two or three of us every week, but we'll put together a little show for you. Yeah, and the nice thing about those shows, Ken, too, like you were talking about, uh, they're short and sweet, but it allows us to have a little more flexibility and talk more in depth about some of the injuries. There's just too many around the NFL for us to squeeze them all into our weekly show. So if you guys are looking for more injury advice and uh, some waiver advice, definitely check out that show, which comes out Tuesday mornings. Yeah, and then the other big thing I would say is hit us all up on Twitter. Uh, anytime throughout the week, I know, and especially later towards the week since our pod comes out kind of midweek, um, if, if news breaks or situations change on Friday or Saturday and you don't know what to do and there's no more Red Shirts pod to listen to, you can hit us up on Twitter. I know uh, any of us should be available to and happy to respond. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, our handles, once again, the, the, the show page is at Red Shirts FF Pod. My handle is at Kent Wyrock. Jen is at the only Jen Smith. And Okada, dish yours. At Fantasy Sensei. And I am at the Fantasy PT. Awesome. Also, make sure you listen to the other podcasts in the TFA family. We have uh, the DFS Degen Nation show where you can get all your DFS content and uh, go win some money, hopefully. And then the Dynasty Life Pod is still going through the season, giving you that inside scoop on the Dynasty uh, aspect of fantasy football. So thank you for listening to the show. Once again, we are the Red Shirts. Y'all don't really want it like that.